Many, many, many. So today we're going to talk about the vision is for an appointed time. Amen. The vision is for an appointed time. God had a vision in his heart when he created man. Uh, that vision was somewhat interrupted or delayed, I guess, in, in a way. Uh, but it was all God's design. God was very, very much wanting to create man in his own image. And when God creates something in his image, he can't lie. We are created in the image of God. And he created us innocent from sin and gave us instructions for obedience. Uh, you know that man disobeyed God and that brought the curse, mainly because God had provided everything for man except the freedom to choose. And so when uh, Adam and Eve were given the freedom to choose, under uh, tempting circumstances, they chose the wrong, wrong direction. But God immediately set in motion a plan of redemption to get us back. A plan of redemption to get us back. And so God has been pursuing us all of those uh, centuries to get us back into fellowship with him and to continue his intended purpose from the beginning. One thing you need to know about God, he's not a loser, he's not a quitter. Uh, he doesn't uh, have to discard anything. Amen. It's not like fallen humanity. We discard so many things that we don't have use for anymore because we don't care to take care of them anymore. A stewardship factor comes into play here. God is a good steward. He's a faithful steward over what he creates. That's what the Bible says. And he intends for his people to be part of that faithfulness. That's why he rewards faithfulness to such a large degree. So God's <clears throat> vision for man was for man to rule the earth just as he would. Not in a, a, a carnal manner, not in a, a, a wasteful manner, not in a callous manner, but in a loving manner, in a manner that, that God could approve of. And so we are God's creation. We are his workmanship now. Uh, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Not to the old ways that we used to walk in, but in the newness of life. He's created us to walk in a new way. So God's vision for man was for an appointed time. That was the time when Christ came into the earth and began to fulfill the law and to pay the price to redeem us from the curse of the law. There are other things God has planned for this earth as well. And so we're going to talk about one of the things that he has planned for this end time that we are living in. Uh, the, the end of time began when Christ was raised from the dead. That officially began the, what we call the end time. Uh, the time where uh, God would gather, would have the gospel preached so that men could be saved. And he would gather those who had received him up from the earth. Those who had not received him, we know, are, are slated for eternal judgment in hell. And so God left a mandate here for us as believers to preach the gospel to every creature, to everybody that was uh, within earshot, we are mandated to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ dying for their sins, that they can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Now, eternal life doesn't begin in heaven. Eternal life is the life of God wherever it exists. Remember, Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus asked Mary, he said, uh, do you believe I can raise your brother from the dead? She said, yeah, Lord, I believe, you know, she has rattled off the religious answer that you learn like you memorize it. I believe, you know, you're the Christ and we'll be raised on the last day. He said, I am the resurrection. He said, Re eternal life is standing right in front of you. So eternal life and, 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 and uh, things pertaining to eternal life are not about a time in the future, but they are about a person. And so the person of Jesus Christ is eternal life, and he lives in every born-again believer. Amen? He lives in us. And so we have eternal life in us. This is why we can offer eternal life to people who don't know the Lord. We impart that with our words, with our faith. When we pray the prayer of repentance with them and invite them into God's kingdom, we are imparting eternal life to them. 
if we only could appreciate what we have inside of us already. Amen. We're not waiting for God to uh, pour something out that's more. He's waiting us for us to use what we got. Amen. And max out on that. And then it will increase. And so what we're talking about is a vision that God has for the end times that we believe uh, is explained in the book of Habakkuk in 2.14. We won't go to it now. But we know that as we have lived on this earth as believers, the what we call the presence, the power, and the glory of God has increased. The influence of Christianity has increased over the centuries. Uh, I was so blessed we found a map on the Internet. Somebody put it, I think, on uh, YouTube where it showed the growth of religions throughout uh, the ages. And, you know, people will say, oh, Muslims are increasing. No, Christians are increasing. Amen. I always say we like babies, kids. We don't die. We multiply. Amen. We've been multiplying over the centuries, and we cannot be stopped. This is an ever-increasing kingdom, folks. God is not a loser. He's not going to lose to some dead, dumb God. He's not going to lose to Muhammad or Buddha or anybody else they make up. He knows how to deal with these things. The thing is, will his people use their faith to help him accomplish these things. So in Habakkuk chapter 2, if you'll turn there, I thought I'd share some things with you about the watchman, uh, the, not just this ministry, but the call of the watchman in general, how, how this ministry is called and how people who are, are working in this ministry, the things that they uh, are called to be accountable for. Uh, I think in, in our imagination sometimes we think that we're just saved and we can go through this life. And if we save some souls, good for us. You know, we, we feel real good, but we're not obligated to do anything. You know, we feel like we're just little free agents down here. We can use our time to serve God. If we don't want to do that, we don't have to do that. And so I think we need to have some correction in our thinking in many ways because this is not, Jesus didn't die and do all of that gruesome, uh, painful work for you to have the option of obeying him or not. You know, go into all the world and preach the gospel is a command of God. You know, just like you got to worship me, have no other gods before me, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, don't want what your neighbor's got. You understand what I'm saying? All of those things are important for God to, for us to fulfill in God. He means it when he tells us what to do. Because if we do anything other than that, we won't be successful. And he has not called us to fail. He has called us to succeed in everything and in every way. So in Habakkuk, though, it talks specifically about the prophet who was called as a watchman. Now, my, my feeling is that all prophets have that capability because they see everything, they know everything. If they don't, they act like they do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the closer, you know. Stare through you, you know, that kind of shenanigans. But anyway, <laughs> that was real funny, wasn't it? Yeah, but anywho, <laughs> but they are are endowed with gifting that is called revelation gifts, and so the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit work uh, increasingly in the prophet's gifting, and so that gift is there so that somebody down here on earth can quickly and easily receive light understanding information from God to help us do the work of the ministry. Amen. Uh, Prophets don't try to know your business so they can say they know something because God doesn't deal with that kind of a spirit. Amen. But they're they're in in God. They have the ability to see and to envision and to know and to understand what God sees to a greater degree. Other gifts have other abilities. We're all assigned something different. And so when the watchman is able to allow God to show him visions and things to come, it is a blessing to the body of Christ because then we can be prepared. We won't be taken off guard. Nobody wants to live their life serving God and then stumble and fall because of something they didn't know was there. 
And so the watchmen, when they warn, when they tell people what to do and which way to go and that kind of thing, it is to keep you in line with what God wants for you is not to steal your fun. You got me? To just keep you on track. We all assume that we're here desiring to do the right thing before God. And so when you assume that, then you will warn people accordingly and you will inform them accordingly. So in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon a tower and I will, I will, and I will. Amen. So you have to will to do this ministry. Amen. It's not something that you can casually drift into or do it when you feel like it or I didn't feel like praying today. I didn't feel like getting up and all that kind of stuff. You must have a will to obey God. So the watchman Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon a tower. That means when I see that set upon a tower, to me that indicates working in a realm that's above the carnal realm it's working in a spiritual realm not a carnal realm so when the watchman sets himself in a high tower he's up in positioned where he can hear from god and god alone you don't need anybody to tell you what so-and-so said in order for you to know how to pray Now, I remember back in the day, we thought we had to listen to everybody's nonsense to get a prayer burden or whatever. But I realized they came from God. In fact, God told me, he said, if I don't tell you, it doesn't exist. Amen. So that helped me to weed out a lot of nonsense out of my life that I didn't have to listen to. And, you know, all the the fear mongers out here that, you know, that people been telling people for the last month or so oh detroit you got to wake up and pray i said huh where you been you understand what I'm saying? where you been huh they'll say you know nutty things like that because where are they where are they positioned see it's a matter of positioning if you're in a tower where god placed you and you're getting spiritual information somebody's not in that place they're just getting their low level information amen from gossip and fear and Religious people that want to tell you they know everything and don't know much of anything because they don't really spend enough time with God to find out anything. If you spend time with God, you'll find out a lot of stuff, mainly about yourself first. (laughs) That's why we don't do it a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's not so big on telling you about other people. He's big on telling you about you. You know, after you've been faithful over your own soul and your own spirit, then he can give you other things to add to that. But you don't go picking God's in. Well, uh, like, is he right or is he, is he right? Both of y'all wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Just go somewhere and pray and leave the shenanigans alone. You know, so God will, will, he will set you. I will set me upon the tower. You position yourself where God tells you to be positioned and you don't move. Amen. You don't move. I always like the, um, I'm tr- trying to think, I always think it was the book of Second Kings. I think it was uh, Elijah, Elisha before he went to be with the Lord. Uh, the king came and wanted to uh, get him to change a prophecy that he had given. The king wanted to live and he told him, he said, you surely die. And he sent soldiers to apprehend him. And Elisha was in a high tower and refused to come down. Amen. <laughs> When God positions you above that, you're, that's the safest place for you to be in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Amen. And so that's your security in God. So if you stay where God positions you and you function from that position of authority, that position of revelation, that position of power and understanding, then prayer is not a uh, trouble for you. Prayer is not hard for you. Prayer is not an issue, you know, something that's, you know, takes so long and I don't feel like doing it. No, you just position yourself and the rest of it is up to God. Amen. Just kind of position yourself. So and then he says, and I will I will see I will watch to see what he will say to me. In other words, watch for God to speak. And what I shall answer. Oh, really? (laughs) You mean I have to answer to God? Yeah, you do. 
We all have to answer to God for every day that we spend on this earth, every minute that we spend here, every uh, instruction he's given us. We have to give an account for how we spend our life down here on this earth. It's not just for us to, you know, run through life and do what we want to do and, you know, uh, be around the people we think are good people to be around and shun the ones he doesn't want us to be around. God has a, a way to let us know exactly what we are mandated to do. And so God will call us to answer him when we are reproved or when we are called into account to give an answer. Everybody here is going to have to answer for this day of prayer in the city of Detroit. Amen. Now you may not think you do, but you do. Amen. We're not here playing. God didn't give us power, anointing, the word, and all this ammunition we have for us to just do what we want to when we want to do it. That's not the way his kingdom operates. Everybody here has an assignment. Everybody here has a function. Now, you can be casual about it if you want to, but one day you'll see how important it is because most people find themselves lacking somewhere, and then they run to God and try to figure out what's wrong. Huh? And he'll tell you, you know, I gave you things to do, and you weren't obedient to it. Amen? I got you to the point of prayer, and you refused to pray. You understand what I'm saying? You told your prayer partner, call me back later, and never never did your prayer. And so these things are very important. Listen, God is not crying about what we don't do. Huh? It's like Mordecai told Esther. He said, don't think now. Listen, Esther, you didn't got cute. You know, you up there, you married to the king, got your nails done every day, a different color, a different nail, a different color on a different nail. You got this done every day. You got people to clip your toenails, fan you, you know. He said, but don't think, sister. Huh? If you refuse to cooperate, huh, that you're going to save your life. <laughs> he said, because listen, if you don't do it, God will raise up somebody else to do this job, because this job will get done. But you may not survive to be able to talk about it. Amen. So I think when Uncle Morty broke it down to her like that, she said, uh, you know what? I think I'll do what you say, Uncle Morty. I think I'll cooperate with God. Amen. God has a way of convincing us that it's best to cooperate with him. Amen. I'd rather do it voluntarily and enjoy the ride. Amen. Rather than have to be pinned down all the time to obey God. So the watchman must not leave his assignment or her assignment. You must know what God has assigned to you. Now, how do you know? You let the word speak to you. Sometimes you'll you'll be crying out for, like most of the people that join this ministry, uh, a large portion of us joined many years ago when we first started or shortly thereafter. Most people have been in this ministry over 20 years. And they're still standing. And they still pray twice a week like we've always done. Amen. <clears throat> so God is, is mandated to us what we're to do. You know because many times you're looking for God to help you and you find that he wants to teach you how to cooperate with his help. Many of us came into this ministry as brand new Christians. We were looking to get out of some problem in life and then we found out we were being trained to pray. Amen. And so the best help you can always get is ability to help yourself. You don't want to always be dialing an 800 number to get a prayer to get out of trouble. You need to be the 800 number. You understand what I'm saying? You, you want to be the 800 number. Amen. And so we were taught to pray and we were given a mandate to pray. And over the years, many people have come and gone, but then we've always had a faithful group of people who have stayed with the call. Now, I can't tell you everybody was called to this ministry, but they were called to the meeting. You got me? A ministry is something, a prayer ministry is something that we're all called to. Luke 18, 1 says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's all men. Ephesians 16, uh, 6.18 tells us to pray without ceasing. So that means don't give up on your prayer. Always be ready to pray. And always be given to pray, to prayer. One thing I know about people who are given to prayer is often when you talk to them, they may stop you at the end of a sentence and say, well, let's pray with, for that right now. 
You know what I'm saying? They have an unction to pray and they respond to it. That doesn't come from you overriding it all the time and not being obedient to it. It comes from you yielding to that unction to pray. And God then rewards you by giving you what to pray, anointing you to pray, and then answering that prayer. You see how easy it is? God does all the heavy lifting. All you have to do is open your mouth and he'll fill it with words. He gives you the spiritual utterance. So God expects us to look to him at all times and in all things. Amen. He is our source. He is our guide. He's our rewarder. He's our everything. So one way you may know is the fact that all men are called to pray. And you can undertake that ministry of intercession. And as I said, the more you respond to the unction to pray, the more frequently it will come to you. And then you undertake the ministry of prayer. Amen. You're not just praying when you need something and hoping God answers. That's really kind of a pitiful way to, to live because there's so much more for us. While you begging for your rent, pray for somebody else's rent. You understand what I'm saying? While you begging for your kids to get off drugs, pray for somebody else's kid to get off drugs. And God will, and that's intercession. You're standing in the gap for the need of somebody else. And God always rewards that. He always rewards that. So many times your, your call will come from the local fellowship that you are a part of. Man. So if, you're, if prayer is a part of your local fellowship, you have a part in that ministry. Amen. Acts one seventeen, the when the disciples, actually now they were apostles, had gathered together, they had to choose some men, and all of these people were called to be a part of that ministry. Nobody in that assembly was left out. You got me? So everybody who showed up for church that day became a part of that ministry. Amen? He says, <clears throat> Um, in verse 16, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus, for he was numbered with us. Are you numbered with them? Well, I'm not a member there. Are you numbered? Did you show up today? You know, everybody wants to get out of commitment. Now, see, when they need something, they're a member. But when it's time to invest their time, gifts, talents, and money, they ain't sure that they ever signed up. I don't know if my name is on the roll or not. Huh? We don't have members in our church and ministry. We feel you ought to know where you're supposed to be. <laughs> you show up and eat one time, you commit it. That's how I got my husband. <laughs> ah, lighten up. Some of y'all need to smile. <laughs> if if you smile at me when I tell a bad joke, I won't tell two in a row. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> he says, for he was numbered with us and had obtained a part of this ministry. So G- Judas was was to fulfill a part of the ministry of the early church, but he flunked out. You stay. You stay with what God gives you to do. You don't flunk out. You stay with what God gives you to do. And take it seriously. When God gives you something to pray for, you pray for that. And you watch to see it happen. Watch to see it come to pass. That's what Habakkuk 2.1 is. He says, and what he will say to me when I'm reproved. So really, God will talk to you about what you pray about and tell you how things are going. Isn't that wonderful? He'll give you a progress report. On the prayers that you pray for him. So you obtain a part of the ministry of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in that way. You're part and and you have a right to know what's going on. And so God will report to you how things are going. He will give you changes in strategy. He will tell you, reassure you, keep going. There's, There's a little bit left to do yet. If you keep going, we'll be able to accomplish this. I remember when we were praying to, for Jack Kevorkian, I think I've shared some aspects of that 
uh, with you before. But uh, and I thank God we when our new prayer manual we write down all the details of of some of the major battles that God has had us to do for his glory so that we can live better down here on earth but I remember when I would go to God and I I would ask him I said well God this man is still living he's still killing people why don't you kill him that way we won't have to keep going through this song and dance and God showed me he said that's not what I that's not how I plan to handle this particular situation amen he said that's not how I plan to handle this particular situation and he showed me that when people especially in this day and age where we have mass communication anybody can get on on the youtube and get a million likes or something like a million plays or whatever they get he said what people are doing now you're fighting ideologies you're fighting philosophies you're fighting ideas he said, and for me to kill an idea, I have to do it in a way that kills the idea. And I began to see that God would change the hearts of people who had been for assisted suicide. Amen. And, and toward the end, when Jack Kravorkian was being indicted for murder, there were tons of people who gathered together and marched for the uh, handicapped they marched for the um, uh, learning disabled people. All of these people just came out in mass numbers to protest assisted suicide. And so God showed me, he said, and right now you can find very few people. You wouldn't think that Michigan was a state where that was being considered seriously, the way we live now. That thing has died and nobody cares about it anymore. You understand me? And so when God has to do, you have to follow his instruction. So that certain things are dealt with in a way that they're, they're eradicated from the face of the earth. And only God knows how to do that. And he has all of his prayers on time. But God will give, bring you up to speed on what you're praying about. He doesn't mind sharing information with trustworthy people. Amen. And so when he starts to share his heart, he'll give you insight into strategies. And so you have to determine, though, what is your local fellowship called to do? My suggestion is get involved in a local fellowship that's involved. You know, don't go just sit on a pew and give your money and, and have nice carpet and nice chairs. There's nothing wrong with that. But we've got to go beyond that, folks. There, there can't be that spirit of complacency where they're afraid to loose the people in the church out on the world to get people saved. Huh? Amen. Because they may not say it like that, but if people are sitting on the pews and they're saved, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they never win a soul. You know, most churches are filled up now not with the lost getting saved, but they're filled up through mass marketing. They're filled up through television shows. They're filled up through radio programs, that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that that won't help you to win the lost. But many times people are just moving from the last new place to the next new place as they go from place to place and doing nothing to increase the number of the saved down here in the earth. And so you must be involved in a local fellowship that is involved with other people, that is birthing new life into the kingdom of God. It's got to be that way. And so all churches are called to prayer. Some respond more seriously than others. Some are called to study war and fight on a governmental level, as apostles and prophets are called to do. So when you get involved in a fellowship, find out what they are involved in, and that will let you know what you're called to do. What does God confirm to you is the other thing. God speaks to our hearts just as he did with signs, Moses with the burning bush. God speaks to your heart with your own burning bush. Amen. You will have an encounter or an experience with God that leaves an indelible impression upon you. Sometimes those impressions are confirmations of your call. Some people are given to and enjoy certain spiritual activities. If prayer is something you're given to and enjoy, that may be an indication of your call. God won't have you do something he won't let you enjoy. He knows you won't do it for very long. God will anoint and empower you to do what he has called you to do. He will not anoint you to do somebody else's job. Amen. 
So don't be the busybody in the church that wants to tell everybody what to do. You know what I'm saying? You just, just stay with your lane. You know, stay in your lane and do that well. Amen? It's true. You know, some people are, are addicted to helping. Huh? Yeah. And they don't do it very well. The addicts don't do nothing well. Are you kidding me? Huh? You ever get an addict to fix you a meal or something like that? Come on now. People who are addicted to stuff don't do anything very well. Amen? And so you don't want to be that person that has to have your hands in everything, you know, like Martha cooking cooking dinner and knew she couldn't handle no dinner. She ain't cooked in years. But when she heard Jesus was coming, she broke out the pots and pans like she knew what she was doing. I'm reading my Bible by myself. Y'all don't read the same Bible I do. But I know a lot of queens like that. Huh? Sit up there, they find out, ooh, all the single men is just coming over tonight. I'm going to get out here. Act like I've been cooking all day. Huh? So when Mary stuck her in the kitchen, then she got mad and came out and started messing with Jesus. He's trying to pray and help people stuff. And she said, do y'all read the Bible like I do? I guess you don't read it. I know some sisters like that. Huh? Burn everything they put in the pot. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So God will anoint and empower you for what he's called you to do. The anointing makes it easy. That's one thing you'll understand about the anointing. If you stay under the anointing, Stay under the cloud. There's ease in what you do. Bishop Russell flows with praise and worship because he's anointed to do that. It's easy for him. Huh? Sometimes I'm on pins and needles wondering where we're going next. Do I prophesy? Do I? And he's just flowing and flowing, having a good time. I said, I guess I'll enjoy myself. The leader's enjoying himself. <laughs> To experience the anointing, you must yield to the Holy Spirit. Amen. You yield to the Holy Spirit to experience the anointing. God always gives us instructions. He mandates assignments. And then he holds us accountable for that assignment. Once you've accepted the call and are doing the work, God will cause everything in your life to line up to facilitate you completing the call. Do you hear me? He will line up everything in your life to facilitate you accomplishing the work that he gives you to do. You know, kids that used to be unruly, you start praying and see don't they line up and start acting right. Same thing with unruly husband, you know. Didn't want you going to church. Didn't want you being around them people. All of a sudden, you start flowing in what God calls you to do. Your greatest danger is not to do what God calls you to do. Everything falls apart then. But you do what God called you to do. I know for at least 10 years of, of my ministry, my husband was not saved. And he didn't like me talking about God many times. But he never raised a hand to try and hinder anything I was doing for the Lord. Amen. You know, he would say, well, I don't know if I want you traveling. I want you needy. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't have to do. I trust me. I didn't lay a glove on that brother. I didn't slap him <laughs> one time with nothing. You understand? <laughs> the love of God constrained me. But you know what I'm saying? You want to go duke it out with people, you know. What you mean telling me I can't do so and so? And God taught me how to just hold my peace. And let him move. And many many times my husband would confirm things that I had to do with God. You understand what I'm saying? So nothing's a problem for God. Okay? He'll move. If he moved you to obey him, he can move other stuff too. His hardest job is moving us. Huh? So the call and the work. Uh, you know, once you're called, then the work becomes the most important aspect. The call is not is not important anymore. You see what I'm saying? Your conversation and your lifestyle then begin to be about the work, not about the call. 
Many are called. You understand what I'm saying? So the fact that you, you know, you can put a title on yourself, you can blow up the call all you want to, but it's just what God has ordained you to do. So go do it. Because the proof is in your walking it out. Amen. That's where the real proof is. So we are called to make full proof of our ministry is what the the Bible tells us. And so when you obey God, you start to make full proof of your ministry. And then the work becomes the most important aspect of what you do. Many people will, will ask us, well, does your pastor do this? And does he do that? No, I just do the work that God called me to do. You know, I don't pass out business cards and I don't try to be around the the most important people or who everybody thinks is important. But I stay with the work because I know what God's called me to do. I have to be accountable for the work. Amen. So you won't see me on on a reality show or anything like that. Amen. I don't. That's not part of the work. Amen. I'm called to preach the gospel and to to do the work of the watchman. Amen. So many are called, but the work means you're chosen. That's the validation of your choosing. Amen. So the work validates your choosing. You know, I uh, have a Facebook account, and everybody's an apostle and a prophet. We don't have no more pastors no more. And no more evangelists anymore. Everybody's an apostle or a prophet. So, so it's either a real call, but let's, let's do the work. You understand? When you ask them... When you ask them, do they have signs, wonders, and mighty deeds in their ministry, most of them go, huh? Huh? I just have a title so far. Untitle yourself. And let's start doing some work. Amen? Just take the letters off from behind your name and the prefixes in front of your name. Let's do the work. So God calls us to answer for how we are fulfilling his will. We must answer for how we are fulfilling his will. You know, I have people that, that, you know, sometimes people will leave the ministry and you run into them many years later. I'm still a watchman. Really? I haven't seen you recently. In fact, I haven't seen you for 10 years. What does that mean? You're still. I think people want to believe that that's true. But if you're not a part of it, you're not a part of it. You understand? Well, you're either a part or you're not a part. If you're human, you're a part of the human race. You can't be something else and call yourself a part of the human race. You, you're either, you either have all of the marbles in order or you don't have them. And so and I, I encourage people to get involved and get committed and plunge into it. Don't be on the sidelines still trying to test the waters. You know, stick one toe in and see if that's the right temperature or not. You know, you, you get all the way in with God. Amen. And, and you'll be, you'll be, have good results for that. You'll give full proof of your ministry. So God calls us to answer for how we are fulfilling his will. Now, how do we account for things? We account for them by the results. What results do you get that are, the, are related to the mandate that God has called you to? If he's called you to this ministry in this city or the city of Cleveland, you have to have results from doing prayers for those areas. Amen. Not just what you want for yourself personally, but there are governmental aspects to the watchman's ministry. So, and you have to be a part of that. You have to play your part in that thing. On verse 2, it says, let me get back to that. Sorry about that. I digressed. I wandered. Habakkuk 2 Verse 2. Oh, what page is it on somebody? No. All right, all right, all right. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, uh, here we go. Right behind Nahum. Okay, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. Now, God has always had scripture recorded. He's always had his word recorded. And I think that's important for us to know because there may be times when God wants you to record what you preach. He wants to record your prayers. He wants to, re- to record these things. Why? So it can be made plain so that anybody who sees it can pick it up and run with it. 
So prayer, it, it takes, this part takes prayer out of the realm of spooky, mysterious, and above your, your, your uh, pay grade. You understand what I'm saying? It takes it out of the realm of for select holy people and puts it in the hands of ordinary everyday people who just walk in and can pray in the spirit and read a prayer. This is, this is what God mandated for us to do with this ministry. So what we did was we, uh, um, through God giving me the revelation, we developed a prayer manual that we have used consistently for almost 30 years. Amen. With the exception of a few additions to it, we don't change it. We don't vary it. Now, the people we pray for may change. The things that we do. But but the word that we pray is consistent and it always remains the same. Why? Because we want to see it come to pass. There's no reason to switch up how you pray every time you get together, you see. And so you want to be consistent So because consistency will bring results that you can measure. Amen. You can look at a situation and see that it's improved according to the prayer that you pray. There may be times where, where I'll share with people, and Pastor Shirley, I usually share with her, and we'll decide how do we, how do we approach this particular situation and beef it up a little bit. You know, and God will tell you, he said, pray more for this thing right now because it's something, it's getting out of hand, or it's something that you can see come down real soon. Like, I firmly believe that with Planned Parenthood. We've been playing, praying for that thing to go out of business declared bankruptcy on it for years and i was telling everybody i said i think this is it i think we've got it on the run this time you understand what i'm saying and so you have to know when to zero in on the enemy you don't wound the enemy and let him run off and and get some some help and strengthen himself again you know when he's down you go ahead and kill it you understand what i'm saying You tell it, I'll be back. Huh? I said that to the devil. Then we tried to chase us out of a city one time. We were in the airport. I said, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, you can't let the devil have the last word in things. You gotta, you gotta make him listen to you. Amen. And so you, you have to understand these strategies in God. And when it's time to, I, I call it just dive in for the kill. You know, it's it's time to do the kill shot now. Amen. Because we've got it lined up. It's weak the way we want it to be. And so it's not talking back. It's not fighting back. It's running and hiding now. Just like that, that statue thing. You know, those people were scared to announce where they were even having a meeting if they had it. You understand? When, when they're on the run like that, you move in for the kill. Now, you don't let it... You don't let it revive itself and get more life, you know. I remember that, uh, what was that movie? I used to like that. I used to watch it sometimes, but I don't watch it. It's too old to watch now. But Predator, that's the one. Yeah, and this thing, whatever it was, was kind of invisible, and it was killing people. And uh, they looked on a, a, it had been in a tree. They knew because they could tell by the, the rustling of it in the trees, and, and it had bled. And so Arnold looked, he said, if it, kill, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Uh, let's, let's bleed, let it bleed, we can kill it. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> That's right, kill them all. Well, you have 100% authority over all demons, devils, imps. They don't come too big for you, you know. You learn that with David and Goliath. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. God will give you the authority and the power to bring them down. We bring them all down. Sometimes when you first start praying, it's almost like you're this big and you're hollering up to something that's that big. But you'll see it come down to size. You just keep talking to it. Amen. So God will will make you be successful with your assignments. Verse 2, write the vision and make it plain. When when we write it plainly, we, we write down God's mandates and instructions. His instructions are always the word of God. I did not compose that prayer manual based on a vision, a dream, indigestion. Um, you understand what I'm saying? You don't do that stuff. It, that's, not, that's not from God. You know. Now, he may confirm something 
with something visual, with a sign or something like that. But just get your instructions from the Word of God. If you study the Word of God, he'll show you how to line it up and find out what what enemies there are against the church. The enemies of the church are the same enemies that were uh, against Israel. And the Bible is all over the Bible. And so and you don't have to name every devil or every spirit or every king or queen that's in the Bible. You just find out what to call the main ones. Amen. When you call them, they have to answer and they have to do what you tell them to do. They got to lose what they've got. So that's how you validate your, your revelation. Your, your instructions and your, your vision will include research, instructions, validation from real situations and progress reports. One of our prayers was, was uh, about a lot of the trouble we see happening with, with carnal situations is responsible uh, when you start working with people who use uh, sexual seduction and influence as a power. And we found that lust, hate, and murder ride together. They always come in a triad. So they always come and help one another. Now, the revelation was given to me by some people who actually worked in deliverance. And they told me that. And I said, how do you know that? They said, well, because somebody told us and she questioned one of them. And they, when they came out, they named themselves. Now, you may have authority from God to do that, but God told me, he said, if somebody gives you something like that, you still got to find it in the word. If it doesn't line up with my word, it's not real. And so, amen. And so I did find it when in the story about Absalom and Tamar, where you, in this David and Bathsheba, you look at any situation where somebody got somebody else's wife, somebody got murdered, Amen. Somebody hated somewhere, but it's very it's lined out very easily in the story about Absalom and Tamar. He loved her so much, couldn't stay away from her. He he raped her, you know, seduced her. And the Bible says the hatred that he hated her with was as strong as the love that he loved her with. And so they wound up and and uh, uh, um, Amnon, I'm sorry, not Absalom, Amnon and Tamar. They were half-brothers of David. You know, David had a lot of wives and concubines and stuff like that. You know, when you get to messing around like that, you're just asking for trouble. You know, he had a troubled household and all that kind of stuff. And even though God was his God and he repented, there was trouble all down the line. And God told him, it'll be visited on your children. That's why it pays to live right before God. You know God, live right before God. Amen? And don't smush smush around. But in, in Absalom, uh, Amnon and Tamar, Amnon was eventually murdered by Absalom, Tamar's brother, because he, was, he murdered his own brother. Amen? And so he was angry and plotted revenge against him for years and finally got a chance to murder him. And, so, and then Absalom himself was later killed in battle, fighting against his father. You know, it, it looses a whole can of worms. When we sin. And so that's why it's good. And I know we've all made mistakes and so forth. Well, you're living right now. Keep living right. You understand what I'm saying? Don't start putzing around with stuff like that because it's a real mess to get involved in. That's why these young kids who are having babies out of wedlock, they think this boy is going to marry him. And, and then he winds up slapping them around. Can't, can't stand being around them. You understand? It's lust, hate, and murder. So run before the murder comes, okay? But murder is often perpetrated on the innocent and unborn. So many times that baby, when the mother finds out he's not going to marry you, you know, which everybody told you from the beginning, but you wouldn't listen. Your situation is different, right? It's always different. So you can't hook them like that, you know. What person in their right mind wants more responsibility? They sleeping with you out of wedlock because they don't want responsibility. I should take up another offering for that one. But God told me to serve it up free. Okay, It's free. It's yours. Huh? See, spirits of lust don't let you hear reason. 
You don't listen to nobody because there's witchcraft involved in that. Huh? You is not in your right mind. Huh? That's why, you know, girls like to find guys that have no plans. Well, come on, let's hang out. Huh? And you get around her and she lets you get hot and sweaty and then you like hot and sweaty. Huh? That's all you're doing is cooked on a feeling. Huh? If I hung around somebody all the time, I'd be hot and sweaty too. You understand? what? It can happen to anybody. So that's why we put a distance between... Get thee behind me, Satan, and not too close. Huh? Everybody get hot and sweaty, you know? My goodness. Okay, where was I? Verse. I don't see any hot and sweaty in my Bible. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> But, you know, elderly people get involved in these shenanigans. Huh? Bring the liniment. Bring the laxative. Bring bring the water pills. (laughs) Let's shack up. (laughs) And get a different cup for your teeth because I can't tell yours from mine. There you go. <laughs> You're a Christian. Amen. You know you can sweat, but you don't live like that. You don't have to prove that to anybody. Amen. So making the vision plain means there must be validation from the word of God for what we do. It's got to be scriptural grounds and revelation for us doing it. No personal dreams, visions, but the word. Sometime a dream or vision can confirm by a sign something that you may be unsure about to make it solid on the inside of you. Problems must be real and our solutions must be real. They must come to you as burdens from God. We do not pray about imaginary problems. You don't have time for that. How do you find problems? Your own spirit reacts to what you hear. When you hear certain things in the news, your spirit will get involved in it. Sometimes it's, and there's so many lies perpetrated in the news, you can't even trust that. So you've got to trust the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll read stuff in the news and, and somebody will say, oh, that was on that uh, hoax website. You know, it's not even true. huh? Like there was somebody that, uh, this gets done all the time when uh, prominent people get sick or have accidents. Tracy Morgan, some people kept saying he was dead already after his accident. Amen. And so you have to you have to know within you whether or not you know, I pray for him anyway. I said, Till God tells me to stop, I don't stop. I don't care who said what. God will let you know how he feels about something. Amen. He will let you know to intercede. So we get a strategy or a word from God and then we proceed. You get a strategy or a word from God, and then you proceed. When in doubt, pray the word. If you hear somebody sick, pray for them to be healed. Huh? Well, I don't know if they, you don't need to know. Just pray for them. God knows. You loose the word. He can't do anything until we release the word over these situations. Some things may not be assigned to you. You'll be up day and night trying to write down everything you see on the news and trying to pray about it. Some things may not be assigned to you. Know what your assignment is. But always in every situation be on God's side. 
even if you are not assigned to a specific area. So if it's something that you're not assigned to pray about specifically that you can can discern, just don't speak against it. You know, speak the word over it, bless it, help it, uh, something like that. But don't get involved in your opinion about things. You know, God doesn't care about your opinion. It's not worth anything. What you, what's worth something is your faith in God's word to help situations to be eradicated if there's evil involved. Amen. Every strategy must have a goal and you must have steps to that goal. You must pray as often as God tells you to pray. You don't decide how often to pray. If you don't know, ask him. Oftentimes you may get, a, and this will happen to you when you begin to pray for things. You might hear something, an evil report about it, like it's getting worse or something like that. And your mind may start to doubt whether God is going to do anything. At those times, you can pray again or you can thank God for what you've already prayed for. And I think that's always a good a good solution because it keeps it simple. It keeps your faith strong that God will provide and he will answer. So, for instance, if, if we're praying about this situation in Detroit, somebody comes to us with bad news telling us, oh, you got to pray and the church don't pray. Uh, when did you get to be the spokesman for the church? I thought Jesus was the head of the church. Like he told Paul, Paul got sick of getting beat up everywhere he go, and he went and he decided he wasn't, he wasn't going to do it anymore. And Jesus said, Paul, don't be scared. I got a lot of people around here. I got much people in the city. You think I don't have peeps? I got peeps. Huh? I got a whole bunch of them. Just because we don't see them and they're obvious, not obvious, to, that don't mean they don't exist. And it, oftentimes God doesn't need a whole lot of people. He can save by many or by few. Sometimes he likes to keep your army small so that he can move. Because sometimes he can't move a whole lot of people. You know? you know, people get discouraged. Sometimes people pray, well, we we meet for prayer and I'm, it's only two or three showing up. That's all you need. Uh, that's all you need. You get more people in there, they'd be talking about their personal life and serving coffee too long. And, you know, you better go by Krispy Kreme. I went last time. You go this time. You understand what I'm saying? Keep it the way God promotes it. You know what I'm saying? Keep it where it's manageable and where you can get some work done. doesn't matter if it's a lot of people and you're getting work done or if it's a small number. But as long as you are getting work done, that's what's important. Amen. So when you're an intercessor or, or a watchman, or keep your opinions to yourself and respect others' ability to think for themselves. Sometimes people who deal in revelation think that they have the uh, right to indoctrinate other people. You know, Just take care of your own little teeny brain. Make sure you can get up and brush your teeth, comb your hair, dress yourself. And keep it simple. Let your burden to pray fall in line with what your group is doing. We don't need a group takeover. That's why God appoints leaders. When he wants work done, but for real though, he raises up a leader. He raises up somebody. Amen. And he holds that person responsible for the work to get done. Amen. That's why I always see you, if you're walking around doing something else when everybody else is praying, I'll ask you to go pray. It's time to pray. Amen. So just get with the group and do what they do. You know, pretty soon you'll get the impression that you don't need to do what other people do. Devil deceives people really easily like that. Yep. And really you're living off other people's prayers and don't even know it. You think you're superior to them, but you're really not. You're, you're losing so you you let your burdens to uh, your your burden to pray has to fall in line with the word. Keep keep what you're doing in line with what your group is doing. Don't get any bright ideas. I used to have people in the ministry all the time would come up to me and I think God wants us to pray for more of this. I say help yourself, but pray that prayer, okay? 
<laughs> you pray for more of it, less of it, whatever. But, you know, they want to trade, you know, change a decimal or a period or something like that. You know, come on now. Let's just pray the word, okay? Now, for instance, God is a God of, is not a God of partiality. There is no special prayer, okay? There's no special prayer. So if you know somebody, for instance, who's sick, add that to your other prayers for the sick. You don't have to single some people out, especially needing. God's not a God of partiality. Amen. If we pray in faith, he'll heal everybody we pray for. So keep your prayers simple, plain, and to the point. And don't wear people out. The main thing about prayer is that some people try to be so exotic and so mind-blowing with what they do, they wear everybody out. You know, you can't handle it. And so you make it, or, you know, we got to pray, we got to fast for 40 days. You liar, you ain't done nothing for 40 days straight. Amen. You even sleep on the same side of the bed for 40 days straight. Come on now. As easy as that is. <laughs> Verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. See, In the end, it will speak. Don't doubt that it speak. And it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it, because it will surely come and will not tarry forever. So every vision that we pray toward is for an appointed time. Your faithfulness is measured as to whether you continue to pray during that time when you begin and the appointed time when it comes to pass. But it will come to pass. So you're involved in it as far as God judging your faithfulness as to whether you really believed it would come to pass or if it wouldn't come to pass. Just like those girls that were held for 10 years. Who would have thought they were still alive? The people who prayed every day. See, you don't judge whether they're alive or not. If God gives you a burden to pray, you pray. Amen? You just pray. If you don't feel the burden, then you don't have to get involved in it. But if your group's involved in it, you feel the burden. You got me? You don't come and get involved in something. I don't feel led to pray for that. Well, let's get real here. You showed up. You're a part of that body. Amen? Amen? Everybody who eats a hamburger today is a part of this work. Amen. You partook. (laughs) Now you can go on a fast if you want to, but if you leave that burger behind, I don't know who might just claim it. (laughs) And the whole front row got dibs on it. You need to know that God's appointed time is never delayed. He's always on time. Every prayer that you're praying is on schedule. There is a schedule for it when it will come to pass. For those poor women in in Cleveland, it was 10 years. But it did come to pass. They are thankful it came to pass. People are seldom upset that it didn't happen earlier. If they were, they don't stay upset for very long. God helps them with that. So by the time it happens, you won't care about the people who made fun of you for praying or standing or being small or struggling or any of that. You won't recall wanting to give up from time to time because it's come to pass. Amen. So you can rejoice in the answer coming to pass. Now, what is the vision that God has for his body? It's in verse 14. And that is that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. He says nothing here about evil people taking over everything and continuing to run everything and your kids going to hell. Nothing like that. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the goodness, glory, the the weighty power of God. That people will know and understand God and know who he is and know he's a good God. And the devil won't be standing lying on God anymore and getting away with them. And so that's what happens when you begin to pray the word and you stay on your watch. Then God can begin to fill the earth with more of his glory. Every time a soul is one, that's more glory added to the face of the earth. Every time somebody gets a a prayer answered, there's more glory added to the face of the earth. Amen? 
Every time God manifests himself in power, there's more glory added to the face of the earth. The more we pray and confess and say the word, the more we prophesy, there's more glory added to the earth. And he means for the earth to be filled with it. How much does water cover the seas? I'm not sure. How much of the earth is water? I think it's up there. Like 80%? Well, it's going to be 80%. The glory of God is going to flood the earth like the waters cover the seas. And so every time you pray, that's the vision that you're praying toward. Every time we get together and have these meetings and pray prayers and and begin to declare what God has said, then we enhance the glory that covers the earth. And it's going to cover like the waters cover the seas. The more we pray, the more God pours out. The more we ask him, the more he pours out. There have been many visions about the end time, but we know the power of God is increasing in the earth. It looks sometimes like it's decreasing, and let me tell you why. When God makes the analogies of waters covering the seas, waters move. Amen? Like if you're in an ocean, the ocean moves like God's word, but the tides obey God. The waves obey God. And so water moves in waves. It will rush onto the shore, and the water is deep, and then it recedes, and it gets shallow again. Many times we are living in the shallows of God, but that's only for a season because that tide will increase when it comes when the when the word comes from God for the sea to come out to the shore. It's going to flood the shore again. And that's what God does. He washes the earth with his glory. He washes the earth with his power and his anointing. And the more people that are carrying the glory of God down here on the earth, the more it increases. So it's not always ankle deep and it's not merely knee deep, but it comes waist deep and then we can plunge in and there's waters to swim in. And so that's what we're headed toward. We're headed toward the swimming in the waters depths of God. Amen. Because he knows the the amount of power we have now is not enough to do what we need to do. Y'all know it and I know it. And, and nobody should be pretending that they've got enough power in God to do everything. Because it's just not here yet. But it's increasing. And I'm here to tell you, if you stay faithful to God, it will increase in everything that you do. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding that comes with your word. Thank you, Lord, for the mighty power of your word, the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit of your word. Thank you, Lord, that your glory is descending upon this earth even now in a greater way. I thank you, Lord, that it's going to flood everybody that wants it. And that's what the Lord's telling me to tell you. You want it, you got it. It's going to flood everybody that wants it. And it will be more than enough. There are no big eyes or little U's in this move of God. From believers to ministers, whoever wants it will have it. And that's his promise to you, saith the Lord. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God.